Welcome to the World of Wisdom podcast. This episode is very different. This is a deep dive, an experiment in what in some circles are called collective presencing. It is a dialogue between me, Cheryl Tsu, and Sam Hintz. And we're exploring, we're just exploring basically. We're just looking at what is salient to us. And if you have patience with it, this is a really, really beautiful conversation. But it does take a little bit of patience to listen to. It's slower than you would normally expect. It is not as linear. Um, and it takes us into places of true, deep discovery. But if you're willing to go on the journey, well, then I think you will actually get something from it. So enjoy this episode. Like I said, different one, perhaps a challenging one, but I think worthwhile. start by checking in. Hmm. <sighs> I was noticing in the long period of or long whatever time feels like in these moments of presencing just this way in which presencing can take on in my body as I'm arriving into a field. It's like a process of deep acclimatization. And it can feel almost like, um, yeah, depending on how familiar that world or field, maybe I can take on the metaphor of like a planet that I'm visiting. Yeah, so depending on how at home my body feels, it's like that often determines like how, yeah, it's like how my energy body, my nervous system, my whole sensing kind of organism begins to root to ground and to center. And here I was just noticing that I've never really been in this configuration of field between myself. Amit, Sam, and there was almost like a, yeah, I guess an arrival into a new territory um, and almost taking in the, the atmosphere, like, oh, what's the, what's like the, <laughs> it's not air even, it's like, what's, yeah, what's space like here, what vegetations, what life forms does the feet like sink into ground or float a little bit? And then, yeah, it's like the more time I kind of let my body porously engage with the field environment. Yeah. It's an interesting, <laughs> it's almost like I let in enough of the alien climate or landscape to know how to, breathe and 
settle in and attune to right balance between my internal ecology and ecosystem in the field. Yeah, and I, I've never actually articulated it that way, but it definitely, I was noticing, almost feeling like a, yeah, like an astronaut um, visiting a new land with curiosity, but also some wariness as well, kind of like an honoring and respect of the life forms and qualities indigenous to the territory. Yeah, so that's how I'm arriving. Checked in. Yeah, I'll, I'll check in. There have been something slowly coming into focus. Uh, it's not linear, so to kind of sense my way through it. Um, it's interesting, this, this process, uh, this act of participation that we call presencing. A lot of times I liken it to the process of like a fruit ripening from within. Uh, though today it felt a lot more like being a tuning fork that just got struck very hard, like almost violently struck a certain way and Imagining like what's it like to be a tuning fork right at the moment when it gets slammed into something, you know, it's um being a bit maybe disoriented and there's a sense of being rattled. So I was I was tuning in and really you know, wondering what's here, what am I listening to? What am I feeling? And it was difficult to distill an image with clarity and then gradually things started to uh, come into focus as though the the chord that was struck begun to um, sound with a kind of stability or a coherence to it. And I, I there was almost like an organization of my inner experience as I was arriving. And my heart started to open. I started to feel this gratitude, um, not only for that experience, but for the context, which... The context in this case would be the three of us coming into mutual presence simultaneously in mutual attunement. And um, yeah, that sense of being vibrated, like <laughs> new year, the first day of the year, uh, just after New Year's, I did uh, an imaginal meditation um, and an image came um, and it was like a tall tower almost like a windmill kind of tower but had a chamber in the top and there was this huge bell in it like a church bell and the image was of being in that in that chamber in the top of this tower as the bells being struck and being in that reverberate like reverberating chamber and th i this image got worked over multiple times in the weeks to follow and I remember calling it like I just named it the bell tower. I didn't know what it was. You know, I named it the bell tower. Um, so as I'm, you know, as I alluded to, like there are, there's like this gravitas to life right now and the details aren't 
probably important or wise to get into right now here. But um, hmm, something <laughs> came to me and it was, it's interesting. Somebody very recently sent me uh, a poem from Rilke, who I love and have long loved. And yet this poem had eluded me for years. I'd never, I was shocked. I'd never encountered it before. And it was maybe in this context of gravity, gravitas, that it was called forward in it. It entitled, Let This Darkness Be a Bell Tower. Yeah, quiet friend who has come so far. Feel how your breathing makes more space around you. Let this darkness be a bell tower and you the bell. As you ring, what batters you becomes your strength. Move back and forth into the change. What is it like, such intensity of pain? If the drink is bitter, turn yourself to wine. In this uncontainable night, be the mystery at the crossroads of your senses, the meaning discovered there. And if the world has ceased to hear you, say to the silent earth, I flow. To the rushing water, speak, I am. And for whatever reason, that was called forward in that moment of resonance. Called to share it, and maybe I'll name that. There were some other things uh, showing up in the echo chamber there, but I also it feels right to hold them for the moment. And the one thing I feel called to name, at least in this moment, noticing that speaking of presencing uh, explicitly or directly, so that a couple times just noting that that was showing up, and yeah, I'm just. I'm curious about the the whim or the call or the impulse that uh, that you had on it to call this conversation in, imagining there was probably something in that. Maybe it doesn't need to have content or doesn't need to be unfolded, and yet I'm maybe present to that as the stirring moment of genesis that has led to this conversation being called in and I'm holding that with a open sense of curiosity in this moment. So I think with, with that, I feel pretty complete checked in. Hmm. My heart is just, I don't know doing somersaults <laughs> like there's a there's a pure joy and excitement mm, I'm almost like salivating <laughs> that's the, it's like that type of that type of ah, I don't know Pull, so like, ah, rich, 
thick. Um, I can feel that gravity that you're speaking to, Sam. It's like, hmm, there's like a, there's shadings behind that joy. Like there's some, some seriousness, there's some sadness. I'm in a little bit of like feeling the weight of being the caller and like, how do I honor that responsibility? Mm. And having spent also like a couple of days like sitting with like a question here and just coming up very empty. Like and then there's the gratitude of you guys just showing up like without a plan and without, you know, just like There's this intense longing to play. There has been an intense longing to, I don't know, like, I don't know if it's explore. No, it's like, it might be like to tend to or to, <laughs> the image that comes up for me right now is like kind of the, the three of us for a little bit of time, like back to back, kind of looking out, like hooking our arms together, like forming this little sort of unit and then like gazing out. Um, knowing that we're facing, like all of us are facing in our own direction. Like we can't possibly see the same thing that the others are seeing. And yet just feels relevant to... to explore the whole of our shared vision field, like in that way, like that gazing out, that, that sharing, that sort of. And the spark for this conversation came from the shared context that we had with uh, playing at the group edge, which was called together by others. But just feeling a strong, very, very strong sense of kinship and pull towards both of you individually and also like in that flow of conversation. I just felt like there's more here. And I'm feeling, feeling very like a high frequency but I also feel like I'm like that high frequency although it kind of carries itself I'm kind of sinking with it and I had an impulse to like sing <laughs> uh, and that's kind of also being like subdued it's like it's just internalized there's like a there's like a hum in me there's like a Mm. Yeah, there is that resonance, maybe that tuning fork. Mm. And I think my feet are definitely sinking into the sort of moist, what feels like really healthy soil. 
of this planet that we might be visiting. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling checked in with that. Maybe saying something to what you were asking, Sam, like as the caller, kind of just now I sent the link for this, like 10 minutes before. Uh, there were two questions that bubbled, so I jotted them down. It's like, where are we? And what's now? And I don't know if those feel alive to us. If there's something else. But I noticed that that's where my curiosity is. In this group is like, I would love to tap in and see the world through your eyes for just a little bit. <sighs> mm. What's really sticking with me in what you just said, Ahmed, that somehow feels, it somehow feels relevant in the moment, which is this image of the three of us with arms locked, but um, with our gaze holding a different orientation, right? But there is the awareness of that being the case. And so there is the awareness that while each of our orientation um, gathers something that only our perspective holds, um, there's the awareness of being somehow connected with each other, um, each of the other holding a perspective. Um, and this sense that it is in and through communion then that we get a fuller picture. And I'm thinking about something that a friend of mine, uh, Skylar Brown, recently started undertaking, um, which she's in the process of writing uh, like a, a, maybe a novel. And this is actually based on something she'd worked on before. And it's, it's fascinating. It's in some ways like this um, part biography of her experience with a, a male spiritual teacher that she met in New York. And then partly about Catherine Mansfield, who was a writer um, who back in, oh, I think it might have been the 1920s, um, met uh, George Gurdjieff and lived uh, in, I think, Fontainebleau, France, uh, this spiritual community that sprung up around him and actually like, died there. But maybe this uh, resonance that Schuyler feels between her own story and uh, Catherine Mansfield's. But the part that's coming up that feels relevant is the way in which she's going about doing this now, Skylar, exploring this theme, is she's drawing her readership into it 
and inviting their commentary and their input into the story. And even is being very explicit of the sense that while this is her story, uh, she feels she's very aware of her own blind spots and her own orientation and has a sense that the story can be enriched by inviting the communion and participation of those who are reading it. So there's something about this calling in of participation via multiple vantage points, uh, capacities for insight, um, abilities to tune into things, to raise certain questions that would open a line of inquiry in a certain direction, to enrich her own story writing. And there's such a relinquishment of egoic attachment to the story in a way of doing that. This is my, like, this is my story. She's opening up to something that feels resonant to that image of maybe linking arms. Um, so that's somehow springing up here. Um, hmm. I think there's, there's one last thing. <laughs> and I'm not exactly sure how this connects directly. But that moment when, it, when my heart started opening, when we were sensing it in the beginning for our check-ins, when the, maybe the intensity of the tuning fork started to uh, reach a more tolerable level of reverberation or more intelligible, more coherent, and really getting a sense that the field was creating the conditions in which that could happen. I felt this gratitude and for meeting and relating in this sort of way and how it's still pretty context specific. You know, there are kind of circumscribed moments in time where you know, I enter context where, where folks are inclining their relating in this manner. And the longing to live in this way more often, if not constantly, um, But for now, almost having a sense that, you know, if this is a, I want to almost say a mode of being, of consciousness that occurs uh, presently in certain contexts and certain meanings, that at the moment, it's like if each of us is a stream of consciousness moving through time, you know, it's it's like an archipelago scattered through time where it kind of, it, it, it shows up in discrete packets and then dissolves again as we go about our way. But I'm, I'm starting to wonder if it will start to accrue more, uh, a deeper, almost like basin of attraction, you know? Um, and this word, I mean, I was thinking about this with Skylar's story and how she's taking it up. It feels like a, an example of what's called trans-individuation. You know, she's in, engaging in this creative endeavor, and yet there's a sense in which she's so aware of and open to the field of her relations and how that becomes the context of what she's doing and opens up to the enrichment and the moving beyond her own ego in a way that doesn't 
negate her ego and the necessity of it. And it's still something she's undertaking, but it, it's, it sets the undertaking in a relational field and it's more porous and it invites those multiple perspectives, you know, more, more linked arms being brought into the process and becoming more dialogical somehow. Yeah, noticed all of that was kind of floating up there. I'm feeling this uh, strong playfulness. And as you were speaking, it's like jotted down, you know, co-consciousness. It's like an interesting... I don't often have the impulse to want to surrender my uh, individuality, if you will. I don't necessarily, it's not really, it's not really the right way to say it. I think, uh, but there's a longing to clear away in this container. There's a longing for me to clear away as much of my own bullshit as I can clear away to create space for that, like the flow or that hum. It's like, because it started on the inside of my body, I'm pretty sure. And now I'm like feeling it outside of my skin instead, or both. Um, okay, um, <laughs> okay, I don't know why this is but there, there is a, a question that bubbles in me is like I mean I guess it's like a thread of, of because of the sort of the hype this sort of immense sort of attention that's been going into the, the chat GPT and like all of that that topic of, of the AI that artificial intelligence that thing that is now emulating, statistically emulating whatever we're doing that we don't know how it works. And, and then in, in this container, I'm in another space that I don't know how it works. And, and yet, like, there's a clear sense of communication happening in the words, between the words, and beyond the words. There's no question there. There's just, uh, it feels related in some way. Like, there's, just, there's something to understand here that I don't understand yet. I wanted to put it in the middle of our mm. container mm. for a moment. I appreciate any time the word play. There's something already very lightening about the word. Like light, it lightens the body 
and a felt sense, almost like in this bubbling up quality. Yeah, and I was noticing how much in being here, especially around that question of, I don't, I don't think I know the words exactly, but like what's here, what now? And when, when there's an invitation from mystery, like it's like emptiness of the most generous quality, like simply coming together without knowing, just without knowing. I notice that what arises in me is like a desire to really move slowly, almost like in the sensefulness of my body, in kind of knowing, it's like knowing with intimacy, knowing with like all the senses available to me through smell or touch or taste, but even kind of beyond the physical body as well, just, yeah, the way that I just watched this film, Embrace of the Serpent, and it's this beautiful film just around these two, they're like anthropologists or ethnographers, like white, one European, one North American men who just go into the Amazon during a time where the Amazon was just like very much a space of mystery. Like it's like the dark jungle and they go and search for, I mean, they want to find relation with plants, like a plant medicine. But what they actually deeply desire that they keep returning to is this, both men in these different times, I, I think it's probably about 30 years apart when they're talking to this indigenous man who lives alone and wants to carry the lineage of the wisdom of the land, of the forest and his body. They both tell him, it's like, we can't dream. I don't know how to dream. And I want to find, like, help me find the medicine that helps me dream. And it's such a, it's interesting. It's like, there's this tension that I notice in that film. And as I'm watching it between like this desire to know and to have the medicine and to use it as medicine, but also this ask, like, they take another medicine during the film and it's like they nothing happens and they ask like why won't why won't this medicine help me and just the it's like the animism of what we do not know coming to meet us mm -hmm. and like this kind of longing and it's not even it's like translating to something that feels much more 
like rigorous as a practice is like knowing how to meet it with respect mm. and to meet it's like meet the indigeneity of the liminal or the unknown just like that the dark forest territory as as like the black panther as a bird as a dragon yeah i i don't know it's like i don't know i can't possibly there's no map for me there's no model for me to project or or i could but it feels like it would dishonor a much more intimate meeting yeah and it feels the thing that's like difficult right now in our cultures is it requires like I still feel like I swim upstream in a lot of how I relate in spaces of conversation where I just want to slow down so it's like I just want to slow down I want to sink in deep I want to be silent together and notice the magic, the sounds, the aromas in between, and then just share, like, if we're kind of linking arms and we're, we are these respectful ethnographers of like a new territory, then how do we, how do we share like these new experiences with each other with joy and playfulness and respect and humility, like sketch little images um, that we might see, share dreams with each other, sit around a fire, eat something from the land and hope that you're not going to die, like hope that it's medicine and not poison. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's that's what's here right now. I don't truthfully my response is I don't know. I don't know what is here. And that creates that's like I smile as I say that because there's like an awe and wonder and then also like a respect of that which lurks in the dark that I don't fully understand, like just really, really honoring their presence. There's this uh, line that comes through. I just read Dark Ecology by Tate Morton. And he has a way of writing that just really, really rearranges my system. In a, in a, I don't know, it would be dis disconcerting if I didn't trust him, but, but, um, for some reason I do. Uh, but he says something, he's questioning this phrase that's been coming up recently, at least in my radar, which is the serious play, like serious playfulness. He's like, shouldn't we have playful seriousness? Which is kind of, it came on really strongly when you were speaking, Cheryl, because it's like, maybe that's what we're doing. Like, maybe we're learning to dream again. Like, as I say that, there's like a 
wave of relaxation coming through me. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you bring up Tim Morton, you know, because it resonates with aspects of what Cheryl was just saying for me. And this, this, you know, notion that things aren't fully knowable, like whatever you are encountering it, there's some, there's some aspect of it that's averted or that retreats or that eludes um, a, a, a kind of direct encounter. And this, I don't know, this not knowing. <clears throat> I'm just feeling that there's like, there, there can be intimacy. There can be a kind of intimacy or a kind of encounter that's very direct, but it doesn't partake of knowing in a certain way. Um, which I sure alluded to like having a map of something or a fully elaborated concept that kind of fully pins something down. So like, oh, I have it now. I the word understand. You know, there's a desire to fully understand something. And oh something about, yeah, I guess serious play or playful seriousness in these spaces where there's an encounter with something and it's intimate. It's direct, but it it's it remains unknowable or its uh, mystery is kind of inexhaustible and uh, i noticed feeling quite reticent uh talking about this in a certain way be, just because my grasp of it is quite minimal um yeah i feel called to to leap into it i think with the disclaimer that i might uh butcher some of this uh so i need to lay that out before before doing this but i was just listening to this podcast that i was alerted to by benita roy um it was an interview with a biologist uh michael levin uh an interview with lex friedman and this was by no means layperson uh biology and kind of biochemistry um I'd have to listen to it multiple times and it kind of comes forward very quickly, but, you know, I'd encountered a, a brief, I believe it was a, a talk at, I believe it was the science and non-duality conference with Michael Levin at one point. And he would talk about the mystery of say certain amphibians that can regenerate um, their limbs when they lose a limb. And th the mystery of that morphogenesis, particularly the mystery that like the, the constituent parts like the cells that are involved in regenerating this arm know when to stop like they know when they seem to know when the when the limb's been regenerated um and michael evan will talk about how the kind of uh the genes within the cells like they they know how to generate the proteins and all of these things and like the almost like the raw materials that are needed to do this, but it's a real mystery in terms of how they uh, enact enact the genesis of the arm. Um, and as far as I was understanding this interview with, with Lex Friedman, it's, I mean, this is difficult, but essentially he was, he seemed to be saying that there is a way in which it seems like there 
there's almost like a downward causation or from somewhere there's, there is the knowledge, like there is the knowledge of what an arm is supposed to be. But that, as far as like the constituent parts, like the, the cells and the proteins that are being animated, their behavior, like there's a behavior in motion that would seem to suggest as though all the constituent parts knew what they were up to. But he's arguing that it, it doesn't actually make sense that way, that there's some kind of, hmm, maybe some kind of constraint set on the kind of possibility of behaviors that would lead to the generation of, say, the limb. But there's all kinds of ways that can be accomplished. And so there can be a kind of like trial and error and discovery and kind of winging it, getting there. But I'm just... <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I, I want to be cautious here in speaking uh, at that level in terms of what the cell is experiencing or what it knows or what it doesn't know. But the, almost the way that Michael Levin was describing it, it's like somehow the the constituent parts involved in this genesis don't know what they're up to. Um, and yet, I think there's like a direct encounter. There's an intimacy with the conditions that lead to um, what they're co-creating together, which on a certain level does have an intelligibility in terms of its place in the whole system. Um, and I, I would want to refer people to actually listen to the interview because I certainly don't have mastery of this domain, but it just um, raises a lot of questions around... <laughs> listening to something, encountering something that draws forth participation, um, enacting something, even though we don't know <laughs> what it is and we don't have a map for it, of what we're up to. Some reason I'm even thinking about like an arm as like this big ritual that <laughs> that cells are performing together. You know, they're involved in this ritual process somehow. I just noticed how my my attention got hooked on that. Maybe like the, the in-between point or like the middle point of like the mystery of the mystery that they know how to stop just feels extremely relevant to the times that we're in. Like especially with like all the efforts and investigation that is going into um, at least like, well, stuff that I see, which is like most of it is like around how do we make stuff together? Like wanting to make stuff in a different way, but like that there's so much that would come from just stopping.
to me that really kind of there is that gravity again and there is that sort of sadness, sorrow, grief, a little bit of a disappointment maybe. something that sparks in me as well which is like it's like an old thing that i heard sam harris say when it comes up but it's like the this notion of the primary experience of something and like how that relates to the context so i think the example that he took like and i think he uses it you know repeatedly but it's like that if you've if you've been doing like hill intervals like hill sprints and like really been running up and you're like at the top of the sprint and like just feel how your body feels there. Like there's blood taste in your mouth. There's that iron, you know, you almost want to throw up. You have like your heart rate is just going crazy. You're sweating, like it's just, and yet the association with that feeling as you, after you've done your last sprint is like exhilarating, you know, you're like at the top of the world, you did it. Woo, you're high-fiving people. Maybe you're hugging somebody, you know, you're just like satisfied. And then you just take those same symptoms and put them into, you know, you wake up in bed, middle of the night, no reason. You have all of the same bodily sensations. And, and well, at least for myself, like I, I wouldn't be high-fiving anybody. I'd be panicking, you know. And there's something around that sort of connection between the the peak and the, like the lowest most or like the most fearful point and like the combinations of sensations that spark that or those things. I don't have more punchline than that. That's it. It's interesting. I have this, it's like an image of something organic buried under rich soil and the process of decay and just, it's like how much happens, how many agents are in that arena just the vast ecologies that are co-present in that process of decay and compost and just kind of flesh being broken down and then kind of like that yeah like just being eaten being eaten and I was Something that was also arising with that image was like, what would it be like to just simply be present with like the phenomenal experience of being eaten? 
but also to be co-present with also the eaters. It's like to be both the eaten, like to be both consumed, be, be in that kind of relationship with being consumed, but also to be consuming. And I feel like sometimes like when we talk about intimacy with reality, it's, I don't know why, but that image is really coming up. It's almost like, what is being, what am I eating and how am I being eaten like right now <laughs> in the soil of my, like of intersubjective consciousness and the fields of our interpenetrating dreams. And I find, There's almost like a, like a calling that comes within me to just be at, it's like the, it's like the microscopic wisdom of those tiny alive particles that know what it is to create an arm and to not create an arm. And like, we just don't, like, there's something about the intelligences that we are constituted from. Yeah, I guess, like, kind of in that way of, I kind of, I, yeah, I was, it's funny, I was having a conversation with two other folks about just, like, wisdom just the topic of wisdom <laughs> and what it means to build like um a curriculum or ecologies of practices for wisdom and there was this felt insight when we were talking around like some kind of inversion that needs to happen where there's like a kind of knowing that wants to be so transcendent and like conceptual and abstracted and distance kind of like this way of looking down and I think like Bonnie will kind of I think I can't remember but she calls it like kind of up hierarchy it's like the intelligences that are present even in my cells or in my hands or in my belly that's always like processing and digesting and taking in information in that fluid reciprocity between environment like environments and exterior and interior self other world and it feels like it kind of it needs to start in the soil like it needs to start from the roots or something wants to start from the roots something wants to start from like that visceral experience of decay and aliveness and and then also for somehow like the bright awareness of all knowing that it's happening like how how is that possible to be kind of in the primal instinct of our animal bodies that like indigenous wisdom to some extent to to name it cleanly like that 
Um, and then to also, <sighs> yeah, bring, no, you know what? There's, I, I'm like resisting finishing this thought because it, there's something about it that doesn't even feel right to me. Like I just, it's interesting. I almost just want to stay with the roots and the soil and the worms and the decay and like the joy and the aliveness of that. Yeah. And then the other thing that like wants to, I notice like is present here is there's almost that polarity present between like, let's like, I don't know, I can, I can almost, I can only really name it in my body, like a lot of energy in the head and then a lot of energy kind of like below and in almost in my feet and wanting to like reach downwards. And there's like, um, it's almost like a desire to be at the fulcrum point or like be at the center so that it can like move up and down in a radial, almost like spherical <laughs> shape. Um, and it feels like it's kind of happening, I guess, in, in the ways that we are <laughs> co-holding energies in this field. Like I, just to kind of name it, it's like, I feel like Amit, when you speak, I kind of center. It's really interesting. Um, and there's something, there's a desire for me to Yeah. What? Hmm. There's something, you know what? There's like an, there's an edge here. There's like something that wants to be spoken, but it, it's not quite there to be expressed yet. So I'm just going to stop here. My head just exploded with like fractals, like just like prisms, like light shining into prisms and going like, poof. is this like uh, multiplicities or like the multi, like the intelligences that we are constructed from the that sort of initial where you were weaving there, Sam, like with the with the community creating the story, like the the sourcing of something like the the willingness to contribute like the it was like directionality of i'm not sure if there's like a you know there's a triangle's turned up or turned down it's like the <laughs> what is it like the da vinci code when he's he has both of those triangles as possible like the masculine the feminine and the and perhaps it's both perhaps it's like Perhaps it's that, like the three of us with the with the backs against each other, with the arms hooked and like looking out and like seeing the movement happening in the same way in all the directions or at the same time in all the directions and having vastly different consequences, like vastly different 
possibilities for interpretation or something like that. Like, and I'm also wondering about that process of decay. <laughs> and then I think I think it's Tim Morton again. He's really messing with my system. Uh, he, uh, but he said something around sort of that the purpose of life is dying, and that in the death that's where the life occurs, which is like relates to the Batesonian, like you know Nora Bateson's whole like what's the edge of the deer. Um, And then I'm wondering about that arm formation. I have this, isn't that like, that's a Gregory Bateson paper too. I think something around sort of limbs and stuff. And like, I don't grasp that concept. It's too difficult for me, but there's something there in the, one of his books. And I'm wondering about sort of the consumed and the consuming and the, and the consummate. I don't even know. That's just probably wrong use of language, but it's like the thing that's being consumed, like how, how, when do we cease to be it? Like, when, what's the point of transition of like, what's the boundary between me being eaten and, and it just becoming nutrition? Or like, when, when do I stop being, you know? And how does that relate to, how does that put us in relationship to the rest of cosmos? Like to be, just go for like the full, full whammy, like straight away. It's like, And then again, there's those like little intelligences that we are constructed from. And they knew when to stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously, like there's a boundary to me in some way. Like, sometimes I feel it. Right now, I don't. Something that's going on in me right now, which is like, I feel like there's like a zooming in almost. Like I can feel those sort of particularities or these those little entities that make up me. Like it's just an increased awareness of of that. And deep sense of, again, gratitude, but also humility around how little I know. Wow. It's so interesting sensing into the moment to take a leap into speaking. Like when a, when a thought feels like when I feel like I know what I'm going to say or when I don't. And in real time right now, I'm having the experience of like having leapt with a very, very dim intimation of what I was going to say. Um and it's it's interesting because right I, currently I'm reflecting on the inception of speaking, but what I was sensing into that felt salient at the moment that I started speaking was when Cheryl stopped speaking, <laughs> when she last 
did because she had alluded that there was something present and yet there was something in her that was discerning that it didn't quite feel ready or didn't quite feel right, didn't quite feel right to name it into the space. And that's something I often experience from from Cheryl is this, um, I think this knowing when not to leap or when to hold or when to contain uh, for longer. So, and it's it's funny the condition under which I started speaking. It invokes this kind of polarity between um, inception of movement in mystery versus um, discernment of retaining or pausing or waiting, of allowing process to continue to unfold before um, moving uh, into action somehow. And this really, I mean, it's the, the faculty, it certainly seems to me the faculty involved in that is not the thing that understands, is not the part that maps, um, is not the part that grokks conceptually. Um, Cheryl used the word visceral, but there is something very felt about it. It's nearly tactile. There, there is a kind of feeling one's way along. Mm. Yeah, there, there's something here about uh, groping in the dark from this subtle tactileness or something. <laughs> it's like a feeling along through this play. Uh, this kind of serious play. And it doesn't, it doesn't need you to know the rules, it feels like. It doesn't need you to know the plan. It maybe it maybe doesn't even need the assumption of one. Um, but there is a sensitivity. There's a sensitization. And I mean, I'm not like you you feeling into the little, you know micro actors that compose you that then leads to this question where do i even end and where does all the other stuff begin at what point do, do does what i take take in when i consume become quote unquote me and at what point does it cease to be me because if i really you know take a look at what's going on inside what i'm probably going to find a bunch of actors in this weird ritual and it probably gets really fuzzy on like where to demarcate and yet with when the limb stops growing there's like oh no like that's done you know like there there's a boundary here and it's funny actually michael levin in the interview i was referencing earlier speaks about that process going on how there's a there is a boundary that's drawn between i and not i you know um which is very yeah just just fascinating Conceive, but there's mm, oh, I feel like there's a there's a, a phrase that's trying to ripen here. It's, um, it's it's just it's participation by feeling, uh, something like that.
seems to spark that concept of intimacy again, like the that true intimacy involves not knowing. Like it's it's sort of the opposite of all the dating shows where you're supposed to know exactly everything about your partner. Like it's the <laughs> it's like the it's like when you when you don't and, and you still stay and stay curious and stay open. And, and you're in the mutual process of discovery and the, I don't know, this is like coming to me right now. So, so I don't know if I agree with myself, but I'm just going to test the words out and see, see how they land. Like that, that's, that is in a way like that's, isn't that the process of falling in love in a way? Like to, to continuously explore, like to, to keep falling into the mystery of something like, how that openness and then that openness lets you kind of keep falling. And then one day you stop and then things start closing down. Like that's, that's when you, you're out of the flow, you're out of the river, you're stranded on the bank and you're like, you know, then it gets scary to get back in. Like there's the, there's that type of dynamic. And then But then, of course, there's like the, perhaps you were standing there in the river and then you take root, you know, and you're still drinking from the river and then you'd, you know, become like the slender birch tree or like a, the mighty oak or something like that. Like, and then you might have beavers and the beavers might sort of, Put you back into the river, and like, <laughs> there you are flowing again. There's something around that sort of that openness, that that allowing for the mystery. The I guess maybe it's like it's even the it's even the trust that the mystery will carry, like that there's a directionality in the mystery, like before the the willingness to remain faithful to the fact that as long as it's open, it's not closed. And as long as it's open, there's still room for like a movement to happen. And then there's discernment there, whether that movement is sort of glacially slow and maybe you're, <laughs> maybe you're sort of on, on a different timeline or like in a different, Maybe there's something else. Feels very circular. I'm not. So wants to spin there. I'm gonna stop talking. Keep let it keep spinning internally. Yeah. Mm, I liked what you. I don't know. This is a funny little reference, but when you were describing about letting it spin, um, it reminded me of the movie Inception. This is like a spoiler alert, but like at the very end when he <laughs> spins the top and you don't know if it's falling over or not, is it a dream? Yeah. Yeah, and I think I just want to describe the quality of Mm. 
like something that's something that felt that still feels so it's, it's hard it's really really difficult to find a word for this because I guess there's almost like a sublime quality to it but specifically when you're describing just being a tree by the water drinking in the water and then I think like a beaver runs up and I was and I almost felt like I could feel in my body like the whole relational ecology like the wholeness of that and just like this more than enoughness of simply being with and being held and holding in just like this like fluid dynamic reciprocity of that kind of just of that ecology and in, <laughs> i feel like there's this way in which we can speak to our desire or our longing or our eros as like something that's so it's like this like desire for something that's like so far away like this like transcendence and there is something I guess like in this like settling into the divinity of what is what right here that imminence but like beyond the words it's really really feeling and almost like like collapsing the tension that I always hold in my body, like the contraction of even holding together, like the concept of self and I, and just like, oh, like almost like letting water <laughs> like go a little bit, maybe not fully just release. Like it's nice to have a little, you know, the shape of water is good, but just like, uh, oh, I can just feed it outwards, receive it in words and something like that garden of Eden, that vision of paradise that we were cast away from is like right here. Mm. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this is gonna be hard. I feel like I'm I'm gonna biff if I if I try to <laughs> to express this. Um, it was coming up really strongly when Cheryl was speaking, and there, there's this book by a uh, anthropologist Robert Bella uh, called Religion and Human Evolution, and it's almost about like the like the Paleolithic leading up to the axial age. Uh, he's kind of unpacking the different axial traditions. And I mean, even in some ways, it kind of problematizes the whole idea of the axial age that say like focused on like the birth of philosophy in Greece and kind of Buddhism in India, Taoism in China, uh, like the Abrahamic monotheistic tradition that came out of 
Israel. Um, and there was something about what Cheryl was describing and it, it, this sense of transcendence and how that that's associated with like the axial age is like the whole idea of transcendence seems to have emerged at that time. Um, but then in like, I'm feeling like this tension or almost like a difference between, and I, I, I hold this lightly, you know, um, so I don't purport to have like a deep grasp of it, but the way that, I guess like Abrahamic transcendence is otherworldly. It's, it's a, it's completely beyond the imminent. Whereas my sense of like, if we can say like the like Taoist transcendence is transcendent, it's, it doesn't seem to have a two world, Nietzsche would call it like a two world theory. And he was very critical of those, you know, you have the imminent and then the transcendent, but it's, I mean, the Tao is transcendent insofar as you can't encapsulate it in the finite, but it's very imminent. It's the sense I get from it. It's, it, it, it's a, it. It overflows any finite container, but it's it's also not elsewhere. Um, and it, it's it's so interesting that I mean, there were two things about, particularly, I think the way that that, that axial age took place. Um, I mean, this idea that like monotheism, like the positing of like a single God seemed to correspond to the birth of like the, 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 the sense of a single self or the ego, like the consolidation of an ego self. Um, the multiplicity of the divine is consolidated into a seeming singularity and that seems to be mirrored in the human psyche as a kind of gathering um of multiple processes into like a, a sense of selfhood bounded again and then also the sense of like transcendence corresponding with something that's called like second order thinking or like thinking about thinking um it, it almost prefigures like the I guess like the Cartesian split, you have two, two domains, you know, the transcendent and the imminent, and then that culminates in a sense of like mind being totally separate from nature. But there's something about release in like where that, I think she'll start with like longing and eros, you know, where like longing seems to reach beyond. It seems to reach for something that feels so unattainable. Um, and I really, I, I, often experience it as something that can't be rendered finite. So I can't even speak, I, I can't even name what I'm longing for. And I long to, <laughs> I, I long to name it so I can somehow get a hold of it. And yet feeling how impossible that is. And then it's just like wanting to cry. <laughs> um, but then, but there's also a sense of like that, long, it, the, whatever that longing is, it's like it's enfolded right here. Uh, uh, it's like somehow the longing has to be there and the overflowing desire is absolutely necessary uh, to everything that is finite and everything that is intelligible and while I can't name it or grasp it um, in any way that will be satisfying it, it, there's a sense that like it is all important somehow. It must be honored. 
but I also, something does feel bound up in the falling apart, like the surrendering of the finite self uh, and the having any uh, conceptual grasp of what this longing's about, um, what I need to do with it, when, when it will be satisfied, which I, I almost say that tongue in cheek. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's this imminent transcendence that I, I do think it's, it's something about letting go and like being willing to fall apart into mystery and be threaded into everything by bright cords of unquenchable longing and like accepting that uh, and getting comfortable with that unencapsulatable, unencapsulatable desire that's almost too much. <laughs> um, and it, I mean, it does seem to have like a mystical, unspeakable, transcendent quality. I mean, you really, you get a sense of the, why, why transcendence is invoked in relation to this. But like, I guess just what if there is no elsewhere in that transcendence that it's actually, it's so here, it's so imminent. Um, and it, what what I want to say is that it's it's so pertinent to being wound up with everything else here. That that that's grown that's constantly growing and coagulating and configuring into con- you know temporary limbs or any kind of thing that could be roughly circumscribed for a little while as a self, but inevitably decay again. Um, <laughs> We're all kind of in that that ritual soup of temples being built and then just falling, you know, constantly. Um, uh, but somehow, somehow the longing seems to drive the participation. Uh, and I mean, wow, there's um, a sublime tragic comedy in just trying, like, just learning to be at home in that longing uh, that reaches out for something and yet it's, it's unutterable forever. It's like just beyond the tip of the tongue <laughs> and there's such a desire to speak it. And yeah, it, that, that place right there. Yeah, it sparks like some some mental spaghetti throwing that I want to do on a wall. Like I'm not going to be able to land any of these. But but the way he spoke about longing, it's like the little that I understand about sort of the Lacadian notion of desire seems to be there. Like that notion of it sort of sort of reproducing itself and like and then and also reproducing other things. Like I, I imagine like temples or or whatever, and then. It's a lot of other things like singing, but it's just like this idea of like development, which in Swedish means very literally like unfolding, like this thing that's like here folded into the moment and then like you can unfold into it. And and that sort of the, I don't know, this notion that I'm feeling so strongly in this conversation, which is like that words and eyes are not. So the right tools for for approaching this topic, it's like you know, it's that sort of the the 
whatever, probably the most often quoted line from the Tao Te Ching, like the Tao that cannot be spoken of, or like the, the one that can be spoken of is not it. And and I and I feel it. Like there's such there's the we're like in very different parts of the world and we've barely met uh, and there's intimacy by any means here. Like there's like a, it's like a falling, falling forward, falling like maybe even like a dissolution of, it's not upwards. It's like, to me, it feels like sinking, like a, like a falling away, maybe like a, like a, like the, it's like, like a falling away of the rib cage, almost like it's like, like there's a, it's like a, <laughs> I don't know, it's like opening up and then like bearing the, the, the heart, like those things that are not supposed to be buried. And then like kind of, and there's a little bit of doubt in there where they're like, around sort of the imagining it and imagining that I'm feeling it and definitely feeling it. Like those three things are like, I don't know exactly where in that map I'm at. And hmm, there's just so much flow. Like my hands are rarely warm and they're just like almost sweating. It's like like a certain pulse, that frequency is still there. it's very comfortable, feeling very held, enveloped. I think you said something like that. I'm feeling like that. Yeah, I'm present with, maybe this is, this is something that feels to be a golden thread to weave into my own um, calling sometimes it feels to braid together, weave like logos, just yeah, it's like <laughs> I'll dream and want to, or imagine, I'll, and I'll want to write it all down or draw it. And sometimes I wonder, like, what am I doing all this for? Like, why am I, why do I have just journal, just like piles of journals? What is this for? Like, why is this all moving um, through me? And why, and Frankly, it's like when I let go of the why a little bit, I just notice that there's something that is just intrinsically joyful and pleasurable about about putting pen to paper and drawing and creating models and sometimes what look like (laughs) just like overly elaborate, esoteric um, mappings of the cosmos. And it's really, really fun. And I realize it's like, oh, it's all devotional. 
this is all devotional. I'm not, there is like a, you know, devotion can come out of that desire to also like know mystery. It's like you paint the image of your beloved as like a way to sort of like come to know like, oh, I'm painting your eyelash right now. Like, what is that? Like what, what is happening as I'm painting your eyelash or writing, writing like a poem about, (laughs) yeah, just the qualities of that interrelated being. And then it, it just, maybe that's, it's like the instrumentalization um yeah i guess like what's coming up right now is heidegger martin heidegger the philosopher like there's an essay of his like a question concerning technology that's kind of been for a while since i first studied him in college like it's been an anchor i realize and he always there's this like line in it where I always return to it and it's the line is like where the danger lies the saving power also and he describes how like tech the technological way of seeing and being of trying to turn everything into like a resource to be extracted and known and understood like there's like something in that way of like it's like if we can even just relax into it as like a way of seeing there's like something in there that can also be like a saving power and I suddenly kind of understand I guess why I'm even drawn to the liminal web or like this community that draws us together um being so into Bonnie Roy's like model of the self or Zach Stein's um meta psychology or just like all of these things it's like I'm I know that the way that I'm engaging with a lot of these models is it's not really to get it (laughs) it's because they're beautiful they're so beautiful and they feel like acts of devotion and they feel like not unlike when I walk into the Sistine Chapel and I see Michelangelo's like paintings on the ceiling and it's just like why did he do that just like any like art is just and maybe that's where the transcendence is it's like that devotion it's it's so it takes you so outside of the self it's like I do this I pour my energy I pour everything like time life life force just into gratitude for simply being here and to be weave through with the magic yeah thank you it feels very I can feel it I I feel the radiance of that in this field there's like a there's a question there that's been like in my mind because we we did it with a group of men that we're working with, um, which is like, what, what if you would only protect what you're willing to be devoted to? 
And that question just brought me to the abyss. It's just like, ah, oh, like there's so much that I could let go of all of a sudden. So it's like either either just complete no thingness or like uh, just freedom. And and like this is like balancing on that knife edge between those two of like being annihilated or just completely free if I could only protect what I'm willing to devote myself to. Feels like an end. Enjoying that completion as well. All right, then. Thank you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. mm. Thank you for calling us in on it.